Check, check. Hello. How's it going? Welcome to Fans in Exile, the podcast about baseball fandom. I'm your host, Thomas Attila Lewis, and here we are. It's the final week of spring training. We've been taking it easy, getting ready for the upcoming season. I've been watching and listening, actually mostly listening to as much as I can of spring training games. Hopefully with a bit more insight this time around, since I've been to two seasons of spring training uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, it's been an interesting season so far. So I'm going to do a, just a quick overview of what I've seen and heard so far. Uh, we'll be getting into more specific details with the Giants and the A's over the next couple weeks with, uh, uh, with my guests. Uh, so it's been an interesting spring training. Uh, I think the most kind of negative or distressing aspect of spring training this year has been all the uh, elbow injuries in pitchers. It's really just been crazy. It's like every every few days there's somebody else out with an elbow injury, and um, I, I it, it's really making me paranoid, especially with the son who is pitching right now in little league, and uh, I just want to like shut him down. I just don't even want him to do it because some of these guys busting. Their ligaments, they've already had two Tommy Johns. You know, uh, I, I don't understand it. I did see an interesting statistic or note is that the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, who were like the number one, you know, top-ranked team in baseball last year for most of the season. I mean, going into August, they were... Uh, doing incredibly well. Um, they have the fewest number of uh, elbow injuries to their pitchers of all major league teams. So um, the, the Giants are, San Francisco Giants, I think, are in the top three and have been. And they, they get across their entire systems uh, one Tommy John surgery per season, which is pretty good, uh, I guess. But still, it's alarming. It's absolutely crazy uh, what we're seeing. The num the 2014 number one draft pick uh, pitcher, I forgot his name already, but um, he was negotiating with the Astros last year uh, and passed on a I think like a $6 million contract or a kind of initial contract with them. Uh, he blew up his arm and needs Tommy John. Um, I think his second Tommy John surgery. Uh, it's just devastating. Uh, Zach Wheeler from the Mets. Uh, 
who was fantastic last season, uh, blew out his elbow and is otherwise a black mark on what looks like really amazing pitching from the Mets. So for a quick highlight there, the Mets pitching is just was in, has been incredible over spring training. Uh, I, I, I mean, they are, they, their rotation is something to watch. I don't know offensively uh, what to expect from, from them. Lucas Duda has been amazing this entire spring training. Kadire has been very good. David Wright, hmm, kind of okay, but, uh, you know, he, he's definitely a solid player. So, but pitching-wise, wow, they look great. Um, so I, I, if you're an, a National League fan, National League East fan, definitely watch them. Definitely check it out. Uh, on the West Coast, it's going to be, uh, this is something in the next couple days, we'll see if it gets resolved. Barry Zito left uh, the Giants, or the Giants didn't give him another contract, and he's been pitching with the A's, the, the team that kind of uh, gave him his chance. Uh, and he's p- pitching a, sp- a spring training game today against the Angels today, being the 31st of March. And he's doing good. He's been doing great this this uh, spring training. So uh, you know what? He's been doing better than a bunch of the Giants pitchers, uh, better than Hudson, better than a bunch of these guys, better than Affelt, better than, you know, I'm, I'm, compl- I'm comparing apples and oranges here between starting rotation guys and relievers, but uh, Zito's been doing great. So I wonder if there's a bit of remorse. We'll definitely be getting into Giants pitching when I have Mark Register on here soon, uh, sometime in the next few days. We'll be talking about Giants, a whole, a whole podcast episode. So if you hate the Giants, uh, maybe not listen to the next one. Uh, uh, generally speaking, uh, swinging back to the East Coast, uh, the Red Sox have... You know, they have kind of the same problem as the Giants is in that their rotation looks very, very, very shaky. Uh, Clay Buchholz is considered their ace. And um, while he's had a couple outstanding seasons here and there, it's his performance is now down to, hey, that was an amazing game. Every, you know, fourth or fifth game, he'll have a good game. Uh, and he has missed out chunks of time due to, quote, injuries. But in reality, to me, from what I can tell, they look like it's, uh, it's you know, mental games, mental situations, and not a physical injury. So he's the number one ace. He's the opening day pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so I have very little faith in um, their rotation. I don't think that they're going to put the money down for Cole Hamels from the Philadelphia Philadelphia Phillies for several different reasons. Uh, number one, he's incredibly expensive, although the Red Sox should be able to afford that. Uh, and um, no, no matter what Shane Victorino says, Shane Victorino would like Cole Hamels to be on his current team because Shane Victorino uh, 
uh, got a world championship with Cole Hamels and knows him well. So, sure, I believe that Shane Victorino would like Cole Hamels on and would like to uh, see him pitch for the Red Sox. Uh, so, uh, you know, good for him for saying that. Maybe not so good for him saying that uh, the Red Sox should maybe get rid of a bunch of prospects in in the hope of securing Cole Hamels. So I, I don't know if I would have opened my mouth that much about it. But it's it's actually something that Victorino has said repeatedly, and now he's just getting a lot of negative attention for saying it. So at least he's been consistent. <laughs> um, what else? I really, I'm not going to get too into too many details on the Red Sox because I think I'm going to have a Red Sox specific guest in an upcoming week. So um, uh, we'll really get into it then. Um, uh, something I have been frustrated by uh, has been games not being covered or provided for by the at bat app uh, on you know from the MLB network you're supposed to get everything uh, and certainly there will be spring training games uh, that have feeds from from uh, the game callers on on both teams but then there's days like today, there was a, a Mets game. I think it was Mets versus Nationals, and the Mets were doing great. Um, but it, there was no coverage of it. Nothing. Not even a feed from the stadium. You know, just an announcement or, or whatever. So I don't understand that. Why is that happening? It's just bizarre to me. Um, I, I can appreciate that a lot of these teams will put up a a, their, you know, their B team, B level announcer for a bunch of these games that they stream over the web uh, because they're not even being broadcast on radio. But then to have literally nobody, it's like, are you not a major league team? I don't understand. It's not like this is a triple A game in the middle of nowhere. This is a major league baseball team and there should be coverage. I, uh, that's just bizarre to me. Um, uh, let's see here. I, I'm going to go into this article that was posted on uh, ESPN today, and it's a uh, it's a uh, poll that they they held of 117 major league uh, players that were polled anonymously on certain questions, and a few interesting things came up. And uh, I'll comment on a few of these. Uh, and let me see what they have an asterisk next to uh, major leaguers. What does that mean? Why is there an asterisk there? I didn't see that earlier. Oh, not all athletes answered every question. So uh, who will win the World Series? Okay, again, this is all major league players who answered the question. They say the Nationals, 30%. So again, the Nationals are coming up. It's like every year for the last at least two years, they've been predicted to win the World Series. And here's a third year in a row, in at, at least a third year in a row. I know with 100% certainty that they were uh, labeled a favorite for at least the last two years. 
Uh, they're saying Mariners 17% and Angels 10%. Uh, the Mariners 17%? That just seems weird to me uh, that the Angels would be below the Mariners. But anyway, those are the top three with Nationals head and shoulders uh, above everybody. Um, which team will be the 2014 Royals? So the the uh, sleeper team coming from nowhere. Uh, they're saying the, the Marlins, 25%. Cubs, 18%. Padres, 12%. Uh, I, the Marlins, I thought they seems like they traded so much away. Yes, they have Giancarlo Stanton, uh, but I don't recall them getting a whole bunch of great pitchers. Uh, not a, a bunch of, uh, let's just move the ball kind of players. The Cubs, certainly they spent a ton of money as well as the Padres just filling out like complete revamps of their team. So um, it's again, it's bizarre that it's not even close. Like the Marlins are ranked two times more likely than the Padres. I don't know what I'm missing. And from what I see in the, in the spring training, the Marlins have not been particularly outstanding. Um, now here's a good question. Yes or no, baseball games are too slow. This is again being asked of the players. Yes, 40%, which is higher than I thought it might be. No, 60%. Um, this has come up over and over again. I think I've gotten into a couple arguments with people um, about the quote slowness of baseball games. Uh, I don't know if anybody has, goes to a football game or watches a football game. That's at least a three hour block of time to see, to watch a football game on TV or at a ballpark or whatever. It takes three hours. I, I think basketball is close to the same amount of time. Basketball, even more frustrating with the final, you know, 90 seconds of a basketball game taking over half an hour. I mean, that re happens regularly. And here we are, we're coming up into the you know, March Madness Final Four coming up. I I, I can't even, you know, I, I will watch some of those games uh, the, in the, you know, the culmination of March Madness. But I, a lot of time I just can't even stand it. The, the constant timeouts and fouls and, and so on. Um, baseball, you know, especially for broadcast games, okay? The commercial breaks in the nationally broadcast games are twice as long as when you watch it broadcast in a local market. And those television broadcast games, the commercial breaks are longer than if you can only get it on radio, which is almost almost every game you're able to cap you're you're able to get somewhere in a local market. So we'll just keep it at that. If you want the games to go faster, don't have the commercial breaks last twice as long. I mean it's you know you're going to get the breaks in there. You have, you know, uh, the, the breaks, top of the inning, middle of the inning. Uh, you have the extra long break for seventh inning stretch. And you have the breaks for pitching changes uh, that are going to happen regularly throughout a game. You, you know you're going to get these breaks in your game. 
to double the amount of time it takes to broadcast commercials. That is what is taking up more time. Go to a baseball game that is being broadcast nationally and just, you know, if you're a spectator at the park, you're, you know, there's times you're like, what is going on? <laughs> Why aren't we playing? It has nothing to do with what the players are doing. It has everything to do with the commercials. Uh, and the breaks that happen in a baseball game are naturally occurring breaks. They're happening. They happen after the third out uh, of each inning. They happen when there is a pitching change. They don't happen necessarily. They can happen in the middle of you know some action where there's a deliberate substitution of a pitcher or something like that uh, in order to slow down another team. But it's not like football um, where there are timeouts taken at key moments of play uh, and basketball. Certainly that's what that's all basketball is about is when you take a timeout or force a timeout through a foul during key moments of play, like in the middle of the full swing of play, you stop everything. Um, baseball doesn't have that. And uh, again, you want to speed stuff up. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, look at the amount of time spent on commercials. Uh, what, what else they say here? Yes or no, I like the idea of a pitch clock. Yes, 22%. No, 78%. Which I, uh, that was an expected answer. Um, I think that a lot of the players look at what the pitcher does and truly honest players, you know, non-pitchers will look at what happens in the batter's box. Because that's the next step is like, oh, you're going to focus on the pitchers like this. Then what about the batters? Everybody getting rushed. Um, you know, batters will take time to uh, control the the approach that the pitcher takes towards them. Uh, pitchers will, you know, do all kinds of stuff to to slow down a team that seems to have some momentum in the batter's box. You know, there's a lot of strategic things there. Um, I, I, th I think that something that could speed things up is minimizing the amount of mound visits. Um, you know, that either the cat, the catcher makes coming up, but specifically the pitching coach or manager coming out, a bunch of those are just obviously the, the team management, they're, they're making strategic decisions and or poor decisions about, you know, when to bring a new pitcher in. And uh, a lot of the times when you watch these games, if you have enough familiarity with the pitcher, you can kind of make a, a few um, uh, judgments on your own of like, God, the, this pitcher is having some serious problems. And the, you know, the manager is going to have to go the bullpen. And I can see that some managers do not want to go the bullpen because they don't have confidence in their bullpen. And their bullpen is bad. You know, for example, like Los Angeles Dodgers, you know, a couple seasons ago, um, had terrible bullpen. And it was extremely painful to go to the bullpen. Uh, but hey, that's stalling with the pitcher that's on the mound is not going to solve a bullpen problem. So, you know, I, I can see minimizing that kind of contact. Um, I can see minimizing the number of times a catcher goes to the mound, especially during a specific at-bat, why a catcher would be able to run up to the mound multiple times during an at-bat is 
crazy. Um, that makes no sense to me. I think you can make an appeal to an umpire if you're at a sold-out game and the crowd is incredibly loud that you know there's some kind of mix-up in the signals and you're able to resolve that you know, between the pitcher and the catcher and they take care of it, but you shouldn't be able to go back up there again. I think that kind of thing would be great. Um, I think the pitcher taking a long walk around the mound after a pitch, you know, just because he has nobody on, that's not cool. Um, but if they just got an out, I don't think the pitcher is taking any, un, you know, uh, undue amount of time to do that. Um, I think batters who take a pitch, then step out of the box, walk almost all the way back to the warm-up circle, and then come back to the batter's box, that is kind of crazy to me. I don't know you have to, if you have to go to the extreme of you must always have a uh, foot in the box at all times, but certainly why are you going on a walk almost all the way back to your dugout? That is crazy. Stay in the game. I think there's, you know, there is the idea of abandoning the at-bat or abandoning the box, and, the, you know, that can happen. I think maybe enforce that, um, you know, that you can't, you know, unless you have some kind of equipment failure, you can't go back over there. Uh, you can't leave the dirt or something like that. That seems reasonable. So um, pitch clock, I know there's, we, we just went over a few things there. So 22% say yes, they like a pitch clock. No, says 78%. And again, you can look this up on ESPN, do ESPN. And it's MLB Confidential, and it's a piece that was posted on the 31st of March, 2015. So this is interesting. Who is the best overall? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes or no, I like replay. Yes, 84%, no, 7%, neutral, 9%. Um, and a quote from a pitcher, an American League pitcher was, I like replay, but for the love of God, speed it up. Uh, and I can agree with that because sometimes you're like, what has taken so long? We, you, we've been able to watch it on TV six times before the umps are even there to, to watch it. That I think some something to make the umps move faster to check out the replay would be good. Um, and again, I think that slow walk from the, um, the slow walk that the the managers will make, I think that's been eliminated or addressed uh, of them taking their time to ask for a review of a play. Um, it has been addressed a bit because they were not eager to pull the trigger on a replay. So, um, but overwhelmingly, players like the replay. So here's a question. This this is where you're getting a little kind of interesting here. Who is the best overall player in the major league in Major League Baseball? 61% said Mike Trout. 61%. That's amazing. They could have named anybody they wanted to. And then you drop to 10%, Miguel Cabrera, and 8% for Clayton Kershaw. So between those three players, that is 79% of the votes. Uh, so 21% were divided among other players. So Mike Trout gets that poll. I wonder, you know, I pointed this out to a couple people. <laughs> Uh, I know that Mike Trout's still a young guy, and you know, five years ago he was just a kid still, and and how much somebody's body changes. But man, that guy has got a big head and a big net neck, and you know, everybody who's on on Barry Bonds' case, 
uh, hey, compare the photo of him back in the PED days and a picture of Mike Trout now. And I don't know, makes you think. Uh, same thing with Mark McGuire and all the, you know, just look at those photos. Uh, and the fact that a lot of people say that it's easy to uh, cheat or avoid your PED tests in Major League Baseball, although they seem to be much better than the NFL. Um, so who's the most overrated player in MLB? Bryce Harper, 41% for Bryce Harper. Wow. And Yaziel Puig, 15%. So between the two of those guys, you're looking at 56% uh, of, of the votes, which is, a, that's a lot uh, just between those two guys. So it looks like a lot of people are fed up with uh, some behavior from these guys. I still think Bryce Harper's pretty amazing player. Uh, and look at him in last, last year's, the 2014 postseason. And he was able to extend his performance. Yes, he's had a bunch of injuries, but he was a, a linchpin of the Nationals' performance last year, and especially getting them into the postseason and what he did in the postseason. Yaziel Puig, uh, you know, not a fan. I, I, full disclosure, I really don't like the guy, uh, and I'm kind of pleased to see that there's a lot of players that feel the same, especially when the guy was nothing for a significant chunk of 2014 season, and particularly the postseason. He was a non-performer, and that seems to happen over and over with him on key games. So keep an eye on those guys this year. Will they be able to uh, justify the amount of hype that they get? The other thing too, you know, think about the hype factor on Harper and Puig. I don't, uh, I don't see nearly as much hype on Harper in the last few years, but Puig, it's relentless. The amount of hype on that guy is relentless from ESPN and MLB, it's just constant, constant hype from those guys. So uh, on Puig, and, you know, they ought to pay attention to uh, how other players feel about this stuff. Okay, so let's look here. What percentage of players do you think use PEDs? The average answer was 10%. So uh, not sure... I would have had a few follow-up questions around that because that's just a one-fur that they have in this. There's nothing else about PEDs in here. Uh, yes or no, I'm happy to see Alex Rodriguez back from his year-long suspension. Yes, 41%. No, 29%. Well, that seems like a big difference. It's really just a difference of 12%. Because, And check this out. I don't care 30%. So... You wonder how much of that I don't care is kind of political because, you know, you wouldn't want to be named like that. We have a um, another quote from an American League pitcher. I wonder if it's the same American League pitcher that was mentioned earlier, but he says, he burned the union. That didn't sit well with players, so we'll see how that plays out on the field this year. So uh, A-Rod was okay in... Um, Spring training, I don't think spectacular, but uh, you know, coming back after that kind of break is pretty uh, impressive uh, just to be able to do that. So we'll see what he does on the field. Um, this, okay, this, this question. 
This is actually the one I wanted to talk to most. You're the commissioner for the day. I would say for a day. What is the first thing you do? Top answer. Shorten the season. 19% of players. So they could have chosen anything else. Yet almost one in five said they would like the season shortened. Which I can kind of get. A lot of players hate spring training. Which I don't know what you do if you don't have spring training. Uh, that's kind of, you kind of need that uh, versus camp or whatever. I mean, look how intensive camp is for certainly football. And spring training seems to be a pretty good, pretty good deal. You know, it's just a, a few weeks and, um, you know, they get back in the, they, they can uh, certainly come back fit, but they will if they come back and they're not fit, they will be fit by the end of spring training. It seems like a pretty good deal to me. This kind of annoyed me. An American League outfielder was quoted saying, we get two days off a month. People with regular jobs get more days off than that. Okay. Um, I understand it. And this is an athletic endeavor and you have to, you know, be able to perform athletically throughout the season. It's a long season. Uh, you know, let's say, you know, it starts at the end of February, beginning of March. So you have March, April, May, June, July, August, September, seven months, you know, and that could take you into October. And I'm again, I'm including spring training. That still means five months off. So uh, maybe this outfielder could talk to people with regular jobs and find out if they get five months off per year. Um, I'd like to see what they have to say about it. I mean, most players get paid a lot of money compared to a regular job type person and um, take those five months of days off. Yes, I understand that you have to stay fit and you can't let yourself go. And that's a constant kind of a uh, job that you have. Uh, hey, reg people with regular jobs got to keep themselves fit too, you know, because they don't want to croak at age 45. Uh, so, but two days off a month, uh, well, you know, unless you're a, uh, uh, unless you're a uh, Hunter Pence, uh, you, who is now injured and can't continue his streak, not many players play every single day, every single game of the year. And uh, that's why you have a 40-man roster and you can bring people through and give people some downtime and, and so on. So, um, yes, you're going to get at least the two days off a month. Um, but uh, I don't know, you know, it's how many players play the full nine innings of every single game uh, of a season. I don't think that is nearly everybody. Uh, and I, but I, I completely agree that it's very physical and you can get worn down during the season. I'm not belittling that, but I object to, we can only get two days off. Again, geez. Yeah, okay, you get, what if they got three days off a month and shortened the number of games, but you were there like the season was that long? Three days off a month and you still have five full months off. All right. Um, you know, the rest of these questions, there's like another four or five 
Um, and I encourage you to go check it out, but I kind of wanted to finish off with that capper. I think people love baseball because it has the long season. Uh, people who love the game, you know, there's plenty of creeps out there who are like, hey, I just tune in September. That's when stuff really happens. Well, if you're tuning in in September, you have no idea what has happened. You have no clue as to what has happened with that team and the ups and downs of the players, and you're completely unprepared for whatever is going to happen in the postseason. You have no clue. It, it, you're, you know, again, I think it's the short attention span of Americans. You know, you can handle uh, a 10 or 12 game football season because that's how far back you can remember, and you have the one. One game of your team that you follow per week, although obviously people follow a lot more games than that, but you know, 10 or 12 games per team um, in the season is, you know, that, that's about as much as the collective, Ameri collective memory of a lot of Americans, uh, what they can handle. Um, and uh, that's not the way baseball is. And it's, uh, that's why it's a different sport with a different kind of mentality. And I, I object to, the idea of making baseball like football or basketball or hockey. Uh, that's stupid. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And, um, uh, well, hey, that's just my opinion. The opinion of one fan here in Fans in Exile. Uh, and um, as I said, I, I look forward to uh, getting these going again, getting at least one a week uh, coming to you. If you're a fan of a particular team that we really haven't been covering here, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Facebook. Look for Fans in Exile on Facebook, and you'll find our Facebook page. Uh, we've done some good coverage of, uh, obviously, the Giants, uh, the A's, the Red Sox, uh, Mets, Tigers, Cubs. Uh, we've spoken to people who are fans. Oh, Orioles and um, White Sox. So we'd love to have more people from other teams uh, call us. So, hey, tune in again. We'll be back soon.